MSW Media. I want you to want me. Hey, this is Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. This is Dan Dunn, and he's drinking a lot. I'll, I'll just fuck everything up. No, it's all right. You can fuck it up. Dan Dunn, he's Dan Dunn. Did I fuck that up? Here. Here's Rick Nielsen fucking up my promo. This is Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick and Rockin' Vodka and Rockin' Vodka and Dan Dunn. Sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, thanks for coming along to this, our 201st episode of What We're Drinking. A lot of thanks. I want to send thanks out there to everybody who reached out. I got a bunch of people reaching out on our milestone 200th episode last week. Thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate the support. Coming up on this episode, boy, I'm excited. One of my rock and roll heroes is going to be on here, Rick Nielsen, founder, guitarist of Cheap Trick Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Love Cheap Trick so much. I really do. And I'm thrilled to be talking to Rick. He's got a vodka brand called Rockin' Vodka. Also going to be joining us, his son Dax, who is a partner in the vodka and is the drummer in Cheap Trick now. And also Andy Rio, who's one of the founders of the brand. These three fine gentlemen will be joining me in a little bit. I want to acknowledge i have a i'm stuffy it's weird it's weird being stuffy i I, (laughs) i'll tell you what man one thing about covid and all the man like i went two plus years without so much as a sniffle but now i'm back out there in the world of germs and i gotta i got a little stuffed up but it's all right it's okay the only thing stinks about when you're stuffed up if you are drinking you're tasting your your nose is gone that's it you can't you can't taste anything so that's a bummer but I did do some tasting of some products that I sample for you, because I'm here for you. I did this tasting before I was all stuffed up, and I want to tell you about uh, a couple of them in our, our one of our popular segments here. It's Drinks of the Week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. It's what we're drinking with Dan Dunn's Drinks of the Week. Yes, First up, Broken Shed Vodka. That's right, Broken Shed. It's from Lake Wanaka in New Zealand, where they have this mineral-rich water. That's the stuff that really makes this vodka stand out, is the water sources. 80-proof vodka uh, on the nose. Again, when I could smell, I got vanilla butter cake seasoned with lemon. That's right, that's what I got, okay? And on the palate, more vanilla, a little vanilla rice pudding, with roast quince. Yeah, that's right. Go roast a quince. You'll know what it smells like. That That's in the beginning. You get that right up there in the forefront. And then on the back, I got some spice, a little pepper. And uh, finishes really smooth, warm. 
$30 a bottle. Broken shit. That is a perfect price point for this vodka. Go get it. And then also, we got Dunce Whiskey. Yes, Dunce Whiskey. This is from my pal Stephen Grass of Tamworth Distilling. He's been a guest on this show before. One of the most fascinating human beings in the spirits business. He was founded Sailor Jerry. He was very instrumental in the founding of Hendrix Gin. He he was directed the movie Bikini Bandits. He is a renaissance man, and now he's come up with a whiskey, called it Dunce, to troll bourbon brands that come up with fake origin stories. Here's Stephen tell you a little bit about why Dunce, where that came from, the origin of the word Dunce. Here we go. But I'm like, I wonder why it's called a dunce. So I did a little research, and lo and behold, there's a whole backstory. There was a guy named John Duns, who lived in the 1200s, I think. And he was considered to be the smartest man alive. He was a theologian, a mystic, and he wore a pointy conical cap because he believed knowledge of the heavens would be channeled down through the point of the hat into, into his brain. That seems silly to us, but I guess the Pope felt threatened by him, by his knowledge, so they turned the smartest man alive into a symbol for being stupid. So Dunce goes from being this symbol of stupidity to actually it's a symbol of knowledge. My thought was like, what if we took the conical caps and actually rested them on the barrels? So I talked to my distiller, I talked to my biochemist, I talked to several historians, and I even talked to a wicked. And the, the answer repeatedly was, why not? As for what the whiskey tastes like, uh, they're making it with uh, an MGP. That is a, mid, it's called Midwest Grain Products. You've heard me mention this before. There's a giant source distillery in the Midwest, in Indiana. That's where they're getting their grains for to make the whiskey. That's where they're making the whiskey. And um, there's some vanilla on this one, some creaminess. You've got uh, a little baking spice on there, you know, the the corn and the and the rye kind of battle each other out, sweetness and spice, and I think it does really nice. There's an oak component to this, a little cream soda I get. This is a straight bourbon whiskey. It's four years old, uh, 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% barley, 80 proof. It's really good. It's an easy drinking whiskey, and it's called Dunce, and you can get it for $45. That's Drinks of the Week, and I remind you, as always, to enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Regular listeners to the show know we have a uh, lounge here. That's right. It's a cool bar. Secretive. It's called the What We're Drinking Lounge. Our bartender is a British chap named Lloyd. You might know him. He used to bartend at the Overlook Hotel, Colorado. Some bad stuff went down there. He left. And now Lloyd works here with us. And because it's such a cool spot, I mean, you get you get some pretty fantastic people drop by the uh, What We're Drinking Lounge. And recently, the great Steve Martin came in. That's right, Steve Martin. And of course, we uh, we captured some of the audio here. Just check it out. Here's Steve Martin in our segment 
What'll it be? A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What'll it be? Mr. Martin, welcome to the What We're Drinking Lounge. How are you this evening? I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Nah, it's just... I guess I'm kind of thinking about my old girlfriend, you know what I mean? Were you together a long time? Uh, we were together about three years, and uh, kind of meant something to me, I guess. <laughs> I guess I kind of miss her. Perhaps you should reach out to her. Say hello. She's not living anymore. My goodness. I guess I kind of blame myself for her death. Um, we were at a party one night, and uh, we weren't getting along. We were fighting, and she began to drink. And she ran out to the car. I followed her out. And I guess I didn't realize how much she'd been drinking. She asked me to drive her home, and I refused. We argued a little bit further. She asked me once again, would you please drive me home? I didn't want to, so I shot her. Good Lord. Let me shotgun. <laughs> Mr. Martin, please. Cut it right in half. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. We don't serve murderers here. Excuse me! Good day, sir. Good day. I love me that Steve Martin. He is the best, even though I'm a little angry in that clip. Um, okay, coming up, we got Rick Nielsen, a cheap trick. Dax Nielsen, Andy Rio. I remind you to follow me on Instagram at the Imbiber. I'm also on Twitter. I don't know. Am I going to leave Twitter? I don't know. It's also the Imbiber. Um, please, please, please check out our YouTube channel, What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I think you can search WWD Podcast. And... Uh, Search for that. Subscribe. We're putting all kinds of cool video content up there, including some video with Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick. So go to YouTube. Subscribe. Be cool. And uh, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Support them, too. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I got some pretty good pipes, huh? Want to know my secret? It's all about keeping the vocal cords lubricated with rum. That's right. Drinking rum can make you a great singer. You heard it here first. But not just any rum. Oh, no, 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 no. Want to impress people with your mad caroling skills? Then the rum's gotta be Batiste. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. Use an eco-positive solar-powered manufacturing process from beginning to end. Batiste is made with 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. Trust me on this. If you like your tequila 100% agave, you're going to love your rum 100% cane juice. Lend me your ear and I'll sing you a song. All right, screw the song. How about a great holiday deal instead? Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code D-U-N-N at checkout to get 20% off everything you've ordered. You like the sound of that, don't you? Again, enter code DONE at checkout to get 20% off. Folks, Batiste Rum is great any time of the year, but especially during the festive holiday season. And remember, Batiste Rum has proved that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. The holidays are here, 
You know what that means. Parties. Lots and lots of parties. Whether you're hosting a holiday shindig or attending one, ain't no better mixers than the ones from Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor's a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that taste fantastic. They offer nine unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate, including the two newest flavors, strawberry and lemon and grapefruit and sea salt. Yummy! All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at one 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. And one 16-ounce bottle of Fresh Victor yields five cocktails. And the mixers are ready to drink the moment they arrive. Simply serve cold with ice and the spirit of your choice. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a ho, ho, holy crap, what a great deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. How's that for a sweet deal to end the year? Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor. Joining me now, three fine gentlemen who are co-owners of a vodka brand out of Illinois called Rockin' Vodka, and this is an appropriate name since two of the guys happen to play in one of the greatest rock bands of all time, Cheap Trick, and I've got it on good authority, the other guy is a hell of an air guitarist. Please welcome to the show, Andy Rio, Dax Nielsen, and Rick Nielsen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Hello, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. It's really, uh, this is a a big thrill for me, and uh, I want to get to rock and vodka momentarily, but as a general rule on this show, if we have a rock and roll Hall of Famer on here, that's where we start. So Rick, I gotta, I want to start with you real quick, and, and, and first off by saying that as a kid, I was raised by a single mom, and she worked a lot, and so I was spent a lot of time at my grandmom's house being sort of reared over there. And my mom's younger brother, my uncle Johnny was a teenager at the time. He still lived there and he had a fantastic record collection and he would always be out and he'd just say, yeah, go ahead. And I'd go in his room and I'd put on the headphones and I would listen to these records. And it was, it was so magnificent. My, my musical taste really took shape there. And I'll tell you what, the albums that stand out, the ones that were most prominent, that meant the most to me, were the Beatles, the Red and the White records. You remember the uh, the greatest hits they had? Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin II, and Cheap Trick at Budokan. And I am not blowing sunshine up your ass when I say this, Rick. Budokan was my favorite. I wore that record out. And so first off, man, I am just, it's such a, thrilled to be able to say this to you in person thank you man for all the great music and what it's meant to me and so many people around the world and can after all of that can you please just talk a little bit about how important Budokan that record was in terms of the fortunes of the band well I have to um first I have to thank you for blowing the smoke up my ass it feels good here <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little cold here in the midwest uh yeah well that uh I always tell people that uh uh, we made the Budokan famous, and the Budokan made us famous. You know, I, I struggled around in the in the seventies and stuff with the the initial 
pieces of cheap trick. And uh, uh, we went to Japan and I lived in Philadelphia. So I was like, you know, it was, it was quite a thrill. So uh, that's where we are right now, too. So you'd had a couple studio albums and you'd had some, uh, you, I Want You to Want Me was on your second record, right? You had a, but going to Japan, and tell me if I've got this right, when you decide to go over there, you make this live recording and it was initially only intended to be released in Japan, correct? Correct. You guys were like the Beatles in Japan. The reception over there is crazy. And there was so much hype about this record that the record label fi- decided to release it here in the States and shit just blew up. Yeah. Well, we're, well, you said we're like the Beatles, but we're taller than the Beatles. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was just good. It was fantastic for us. I mean, it was like, you know, we were a good live band because we played so many shows. You know, we we had no idea that we we're going to be having a record over there. So, and that was basically made for the fans over there. And so we just did a, a kind of a regular show. With, but there was two shows at uh, the Tokyo at the Budokan. And we did so, so, so shows in Osaka and Nagoya and uh, a bunch of different cities. But so we just did the tour, uh, never having been a headliner in that kind of environment. But it was just... We just played, you know, that luckily we weren't, we didn't need too, too many visual effects or anything like that. We just played and uh, I, we're lucky that they recorded it for the Japanese fans. And then it came out here, which you saw, that you ru- ruined, the, ruined the whole thing by wearing the frets out of the thing, <laughs> in the, the grooves. Was it common back then in the 70s, though, like to, to, for bands to go over and, and no. play Japan like that? I don't know. I mean, when we played... It's Budokan. We were the first band that played there after Deep Purple had played there because they they actually quit having a lot of bands because they, they it was like a lot of trouble at the, at the events because people would go crazy in the for some of the things that were there and uh, somebody got hurt at one of them, I guess. And so this was a, we were like kind of the first ones back doing it again, but nobody really ever heard of that stuff uh, of the other bands. I mean, there was I think Deep Purple did something. And uh, the Beatles actually played there too. They played there at the Budokan, and uh, but we were like the first ones that came out in the in the absence of, of other big shows there. And we and we were no big deal, so it was like we didn't think anything of it. But the, the audience sure enjoyed it. I gotta ask you, how much of that was production, like post, or was that the screaming on that album that fans just going? nuts was that that's well the streaming the screaming was uh, was real we actually had to turn it down because uh we didn't want to have it too loud because it, uh, when we did um when we did i want you to want me uh, we'd actually quit doing it as most of our shows in the united states but we needed some extra time over there and then when they did the we did not did not did not see you crying 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 that was them the answering us you know because since then we're, we're hoping to use that every show we were done but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we had to turn it down. It was. It was pretty loud. What's incredible about that to the the youngins out there? You got to realize there was no internet. It wasn't like they're over there in Japan watching cheap trick uh, YouTube videos and everybody to be able to just translate what you were doing in this, which was really truly you'd say a foreign country back then. Yeah, the fact that they all knew the band and just embraced the band in that way was really magnificent. And then the record comes out here, and everything goes nuts for Cheap Trick. At that point, um, I can tell you this: with all due respect to you and the amazing guitar work, 
when I would listen to that record, for some reasons, I, I wanted to be the drummer, right? I wanted to be the drummer. Hey, hey, in hey, you're talking to her. There's another drummer on her, too. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm leading into, <laughs> is I would imagine myself the drummer. Uh, someday, Bunny Carlos would be out of the band, and Dan Dunn would jump in and replace him. That didn't happen, but the guy who did is here, and that's you, Dax. So how you doing, man, first off? And, and tell me a little bit what that must have been like to just jump into you know, behind the kid on one of the most famous bands in the world. Yeah. Well, my name starts with DA. So it was close to Dan. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And a couple extra X's. I uh, know it's been great. I'm, I'm going on 13 years in the band and never thought I'd be in the band for this long. Um, but it's been incredible. The stuff we've been able to do the last 10, 13 years. And I'm on three or four albums with those guys. And it's just been, it's been incredible. I mean, we've been to Japan now three or four times, Australia, all over the world, South America, and then of course all over the states a thousand times. But yeah, huge shoes, huge shoes to fill, and I've tried my best. Well, your dad is one of the most iconic rock and roll guitar players of all times. So obviously, you decided to play the drums, right? Now, what happened there? <laughs> was it just yeah? No, was it just pushback about my old man's doing this? I'm going to do something different, or just you naturally gravitated toward that? No, I mean, they started me on piano in kindergarten all the way through high school. So I took 12 years of, p- of piano and taught myself guitar and, and drums. And I had Rick, as you said, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And then I have an older brother, Miles, who's equally amazing. So I was like, well, I could be the third guitar player in the family. <laughs> or, or you know, or I can sit in the back and, and stare at their asses. Nice, nice asses, huh? Yeah, yeah what an ass. <laughs> yeah, you still shaking it up there, Rick? Getting up there, so getting going. Here, let me see. <laughs> Can we see Rick Nielsen's ass? It'll be a moment, <laughs> seminal moment on this show. Uh, the other thing you guys say are, semen around me. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing you guys are doing is the vodka. Yeah. And that brand was started, I believe, in 2019. And Andy, you were one of the guys that got that thing rolling back in Rockford, Illinois. Is that where you started the brand? We're Illinois. We're born in Rockford, Illinois. So talk a little bit about the genesis of rock and vodka. Well, so originally I was in the restaurant uh, industry um, and I kept on crossing paths uh, with Rick. Uh, you know, I worked with uh, Miles plenty of times. He performed at my venues. Uh, Scarlett and I worked uh, together as well. So I was just crossing paths with, with Rick. And then Rick and I decided to uh, join a little venture called the Hard Rock Casino. So we're both involved in the Hard Rock, just a bobblehead they just made. And... I was already in the process with my partner, my wife, developing the vodka. And here comes this guy, again, crossing my path. And I'm like, this is like a sign, right? So I asked Miles, I'm like, do you think your dad would be interested in joining Rock and Vodka? I mean, we were very early on. It was December of 2019. By Super Bowl of 2020, we announced Rick's partnership and involvement with Rock and Vodka uh, with the blitz of commercials during the Super Bowl. It was amazing. Um, so... Yeah, so Rick's been a part uh, very early on. Of course, we uh, we had the pandemic a couple of maybe a month after the announcement. Silver lining for us is Rick got put on hold as well, cheap trick, and we had a, nothing but time to spend with Rick developing content, strategizing our next move, and uh, uh, the vodka has been uh, growing exponentially. We're really excited to bring Dak Dax on board now. He brings so much to the table. Uh, we actually brought Miles on board as well. So it's like the uh, uh, the Nielsen family has joined uh, the Bella Rio team, and uh, things are looking really good for us right now. And the other thing about this vodka that's uh, unusual, it's a sugarcane vodka. You don't you don't see that very often. And talk a little bit about what that means to the flavor profile of it. 
Absolutely. So very rare vodka. There are very few sugarcane vodkas in the entire world. Most people think sugarcane, they think of a rum. What makes this a vodka is it comes off the still at 190 degrees, but there's zero sugar or molasses added to the product. And that's in turn what makes it a vodka. So you can imagine having that natural tasting uh, vodka. It goes down smooth. There's no bitter aftertaste. And it's award winning now. We've won four awards. We won the double gold in the New York World Spirit Competition. That's where 40 perfect strangers from around the world all chose rock and vodka as their favorite spirit. I mean, uh, the, the, the compliments that we're getting around the nation right now are just uh, amazing for our brand. Well, guess what? I've just awarded it uh, my favorite vodka of the uh, day today. So you've got that going for you, too. You, you just you just uh, got the bottle delivered to you yesterday, Prestige. didn't you? Prestige. Yes, I did. And I, I had a little bit last night while watching Monday Night Football. You are getting a little bit of that sweetness in a, in a good way uh, that's being imparted from that sugar cane. It's got a really delicate mouthfeel to it. Uh, you, you're distilling this thing about four times, right? Absolutely. Four times distilled. Um, and then it's, uh, it's uh, filtered in, in Harvard, Illinois now. We moved to a much bigger distillery, and they have this proprietary filtration system. But from what I'm told, it's the drinking water in Harvard that also makes the big difference. Um, so, you know, obviously we have to proof it down. And uh, with the combination of the natural sugarcane plant added to the Harvard water is what makes it an award-winning brand. Well, and it's much smarter water, too, the Harvard. You know, that smart water has nothing on the Harvard water. I'm just saying that right now. You can use that for the campaign. And now a word from one of our dream sponsors, Harvey's Bristol Cream, circa 1979. David, would you like to come over for a drink tonight? Kate. I can't believe I wrote that. I'm glad you did. Until recently, I'd never have invited a man over for a drink. It wasn't considered respectable. But this is now. And when you're serving Harvey's Bristol Cream, it's more than respectable. It's downright upright. Harvey's Bristol Cream. Say, David, are you free Tuesday? <laughs> well, uh, years ago, uh, probably one of the reasons why the Japanese liked it so much was became we did two shows with uh, opening for Queen in 1977, and uh, we were opening for them. And the Japanese press were there to see Queen, and but they happened to like us. And they and after did one show, they were there. And then the next show, we were there too, obviously. And uh, they asked if if I would write what it's like to touring with Queen by, by Cheap Trick or Rick Nielsen. So I wrote an article for it, and soon after that, we started getting a lot of fan mail and uh, from Japan. And then we did another tour a little later that year uh, with, Kit, with Kiss, and the Japanese press were there again to see Kiss, but they liked us once again. We started getting even more fan mail from Japan. And, and so then by, by 78, we were on tour there with our very first tour of Japan with nobody knowing who the heck we were, except all those fans that had seen us with Queen and Kiss. But... Uh, after we played with Kiss, uh, we were in England, and um, the guys in Queen asked me to go out with them. It was actually, Roger Taylor, the drummer. And so we went to a place called Nikita's, and it was a, a complete just a vodka bar, you know, frozen vodkas and stuff like that. And um, I went there with them, and that's all I remember. <laughs> one, of those, <laughs> one of those nights, man. Well, that's amazing. So I'll bite. What was it like touring with Queen? Oh, fantastic. You know, we only did two shows, but the, they, they hired us by hearing our, our the, the album, our first uh, our first album before we, it even came out. They heard it. And, and later that same, not that same year, but uh, uh, Paul Kersidius, who was the guy that carried Freddie Mercury on his shoulders as being Superman, 
at, at the Queen shows. That guy ended up to be our, our, our tour manager. And so we went with him after that. And then now he's with Bon Jovi. But Paul was with us for, for years. So it was like kind of like something you couldn't have, you couldn't have planned it like that, but it just worked out like that. And here we are today talking to you. You talk. And I still don't remember what I'm talking about. No, I, me neither. Uh, Rick actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it for him. He doesn't drink. I brought Rick on because obviously Rick's a businessman and he's been involved in a lot of businesses. And uh, we're actually working on a, a really cool project right now as well. It's uh, an NFT, first of its kind, one of a kind. We're gonna launch it on December fifteenth, and I'll let Rick elaborate on it. But it's uh, it's his famous checkered Explorer guitar. Rick, you want to uh, talk about that? Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've been in, entertained and intrigued by checkerboards my whole life. And uh, so if you notice our, the, the amplifiers I have and guitars I have, but uh, and actually with the, when we talked about the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Cafe and Casino in Rockford, it's being built right now, which is already the temporary. Out front is going to be a 110-foot checkerboard explorer out front of the Hard Rock, uh, which is it's never been done before. But uh, because of because of me being involved with it, uh, they agreed to do it. Is that a picture of it? Wow. There, there's he's holding there. up a photo. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't remember what the question was, but there well, you go. Well, what, we were talking about the NFTs. But for, let me go back. What's your what's your fascination with checkerboard? Where do you think that came from? The structure of it, the order. Yeah, yeah black and white. And it's like it, the world is kind of black and white to me. And it's like it's either yes and no, or right and wrong, and and I just always liked the checkerboard. It, it reminded me of a, being at the racetrack, seeing the, the cars go by, meow, 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 and at the end of the race, it's the checkerboard. Oh, cool. And then the the the, uh, the Chicago cops, their, their hats all had checkerboard line, or ribbons around them. And I, it just, I remember seeing uh, when I was growing up, I used to watch Gabby Hayes on TV. And, they, and, and on the Sundays, the TVs would go, you know, would go off to go to sleep and they'd have a checkerboard background buzzing around back there after the, all the stations would go off. This TV went off at 10 o'clock at night. And I used to look at it and it was like, I kept thinking some monsters were going to come out of the TV. And they have. If you watch any TV, you'll see <laughs> yeah. the monsters. Still there's there. There's a lot of them on there. Um, yeah. It's amazing how much that informed your style because that's another thing I remember as a child. You just had, you were just, it was garish, man. Your colors and the checkers and just... The, you just dressed cool, and it's kind of interesting to hear that a lot of that came from something as simple as just watching races and seeing the checkered flag and watching that show. Yeah, that's, that's what it, it was like. What what appealed to me? I mean, I wasn't trying to be like anybody else because nobody else was doing it. So the NFTs, I don't understand NFTs, NFTs that much, and I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't get it, but I really don't understand them necessarily. So could you explain what you're doing with your NFT? Uh, Andy, you want to take it from here? <laughs> you get it the same as I do, huh, Rick? <laughs> well, no, I know what it is. It's uh, it's taking a something and putting it into a visual, uh, visual program that uh, where everybody could have a piece of it. You okay. know, but you, you like what it is is my guitars are going to uh, be put into videos and put into like uh, checkered to ghosts, I think it's called, and it's like it, it's it's three D and. Uh, you have to see it. I think we should send one to you. I think that's I'm going to need one. Of After December 15th. Okay. Well, the easiest way to explain it is uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token, and it, most people uh, uh, contribute that with a, uh, a digital asset. We're actually doing a one-of-a-kind, first-of-its-kind, where you're actually going to get a physical 
three-dimensional uh, hologram, which is a, a 3D scan of the actual guitar. So you can see every nook and cranny and every crack, every scratch and everything. And it comes in an enclosed case. So you'll actually get a physical case with a digital hologram inside the case. And there's only going to be four of those sold. It's a uh, four-part series. Um, we're going to be launching December 15th on the Mothership's website, which I emailed you. Um, you can pre-register on the link. Limited edition, limited runs, first of its kind, one of a kind. It's actually like you have that physical piece of uh, Rick's very rare guitar, which is from 1979, Rick? Uh, the, uh, no, it's, it's, I had it built for me in 78. But, I, but I've used it at every show we've ever done uh, since 78. And it's on the cover of Dream Police album. And it's on, and it's on the cover of uh, Cheap Trick 77, I think it's called. And, you know, just uh, I've used it all the time. And, and, and then I was approached by uh, this company, Mothership, and... Uh, so here we go. We're going out with that. And, and so there's four of the of the one original big kind of version, which is so you can have have my guitar at your house, and I don't have to be there. And yeah. You can touch it and do whatever you want. Is with this it. the five neck guitar? The ear? No, no. This is the uh, checkerboard explorer, like the, what's on the cover that he showed you the picture of the okay, yeah, uh, the hard rock. Yeah. Now the five. Yeah. Are these all your guitars are. Was it Hamer? Hamer guitars. That's who Hamer made them. Yeah, they were uh, lo located in Arlington Heights at the point at that point. Is that every all your guitars are Hamer guitars that you play? Oh no. <laughs> okay, I was like, no. all right. I didn't know if you were exclusive no, to that. I, I have about a hundred Hamers, but I have a uh, more more Gibsons, more Fenders, and uh, I just I've been a cl guitar collector my whole life too. Do you play every day, Rick? Do you get up and noodle with the That's guitar? It. Oh, it's got one right there. I <laughs> love it. Here he is strumming away. I'm I'm gonna overlay. This is 1965. Uh, uh, White, white uh, cornet. Wow. It was like the cheapest guitar back then. Uh, they were thinking about $147. Now they, now they go for a bit more. Yeah, but they're cool. They're just... You don't need the big expensive guitars, but uh, those are good too. I just want you to play. Oh. <laughs> Dan, if you ever get a chance to see Rick's guitar collection, I actually took uh, Rulon Gardner. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rulon. He was the uh, gold winner in the 2000 um, Olympics. He beat the undefeated uh, Russian in the uh, Greco wrestling. Oh, that's it, right. Yeah, big dude. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So he had, yeah we had dinner with him last week. Yeah, so we had dinner uh, with Rick and Karen and my wife, and Rulon joined us, and it was amazing. The next day, we got Rulon to come over Rick's house, and he was holding uh, Elvis' guitar. So Rick has guitars from Elvis, Prince, who else do you have? Uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Wow. Yeah, John Lennon. Jimi John Hendrix. Uh, I have some from Rick Nielsen, too. You do. <laughs> I have one guitar in my collection from a band. I, I have yeah. I have my own. I have a Martin acoustic, my own thing. I'm not very good at guitar at all. But but I do have a guitar in my living room hanging on the wall from uh, signed by all the guys from Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, yeah. We just worked with them. Uh, yeah. Oh, did you no, really? We them. Yeah, no, we were just in Australia with them. Oh wow! They they were. Uh, I'm a partner in a barbecue restaurant out here, and they were big fans. They come out all the time, and and they brought a guitar by, signed everybody. Oh, this nice is back that. when Wyland was still alive. Scott Wyland signed yeah, well, it. And that's who we toured with. I was actually his uh, mentor and on, on tour. That does bring up an interesting point, though, Rick. You've you've had such longevity in this business. You've been around for so long, man. You you're talking about a lot of these artists and people. So many of them are gone. Does that? Freak you out at all? Freaks me out. Well, 
I'll be leaving. I'll be leaving in a while too. Well, I guess we all are, right? At some point, I believe <laughs> the go. death rate is holding steady at a hundred percent. But does it? It freaks me out when I start seeing. I'm like, Jesus, what? You know, we're all supposed to be. I just watched Keep Elton Jesus John. In this, I just Keep watched Jesus in this episode. I'll say this: I watched Elton right. John at the hall at the Dodger Stadium, the last mm-hmm. uh, his last show here, and he was amazing. He was incredible, but it also made me sad to think like yeah he's not gonna play anymore and i guess eventually all of my heroes are not gonna play anymore i don't know where i'm going with this i just thought i'd bring everybody down by uh well you have the budokan record we'll play forever for you okay that's good well it will man i I was walking my dog the other day when i when i found out we're gonna do this interview and i just put the record on and i listen and man that is, that's the power of music, man. It just took me back. I was getting teary-eyed, listen, remembering those days in my uncle's bedroom, listening to his records, and it just, that's all those feelings come back, man, and that's music. Yeah, and uh, and plus, if you notice the how it is when Robin even spoke on the record, here's a song from our new album. They asked us to speak slowly. That's why it was like that, because they said, you know, the fans don't know it. Uh, you know, the fans don't know English that well, but they, they want to hear you talk. So that's why it was like kind of, here's a song from a new way. And then, yeah! and then they, they, they clap like, man, it was like, it was, it was frightening, but it was, it was very cool. One of the coolest things ever. Oh, that's so good. So he was being that, I just thought he talked very deliberately. Like no. that was so that they, this next one is, yeah. the fr- which very famously was sampled by the Beastie Boys uh on uh, jimmy james check your Here's head a song from our new record this next one is the first song on our new, new album. album boom 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 yeah i didn't i never that is such a great uh, thing to know because i was always like yeah robin zander really uh kind of <laughs> talks talk slowly, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's crazy too they're all singing along they all i don't know if they know what the words mean but they know the words yeah that's how a lot of people learned english was not just from cheap trick but listening to you know, other, other groups, records and, you know, watching movies and, you know, they, they knew our stuff better than we knew it. I, uh, I speak of knowing, I know all the lyrics, most of them, at least I would say to surrender. Now I have to ask you, cause I, this is an opportunity to never come along again. You wrote the song, right? Yeah. What is it about exactly? Surrender is a give up, but don't give up, but don't give in all the way. Uh, mom and dad was a little coach, got my kids records out. It's like, well, you know, like at that time, it was like, what's the ultimate thing that your parents could do? You know, they'd be having sex or whatever and then listen to Kiss records. I mean, that's disgusting, but it but sounds right in a way. So, you know, I made it about things that I've, I've – most of the songs I wrote were written about stuff that I'd either written about or thought about, heard about, and read about. And so half the songs are like, like the National Enquirer. Half of it's true and the other half is – made up so make it up whatever you think whatever That's what i it think means. well i mean there's yeah. certain songs there is no gray area like i want you to want me very pretty pretty, basic, pretty straightforward about what's going on i wish i were that stupid more often <laughs> i mean come on man what an iconic song i mean so many of them dream police well, that's mean, what's that's that's good but we're also talking about vodka we're talking about guitars we're talking about this and that and it's like talking about you crying while you're walking your dog because it didn't <laughs> pee on your foot you know whatever we're talking about a lot of stuff i'm a crier i am a crier uh i gotta say though the vodka is really really great it's got a it's, it's a good looking bottle too we got this going yeah. here right on here it looks oh, wait, good i thought it said rick in oh damn it oh and i got i got some stuff here what about this here what are the, the little what's this okay well 
Oh, Uncle, that's a rare one. Uncle Dick's. Where, where did you get that? Uh, I, I know some people. I know a couple people. It's Uncle Dick T's. Uncle Dick T's. And you had a pizza place too, right? Yeah, you have a pizza place in Chicago called Peace, P-I-E-C-E. Peace Chicago, thin crust pizza in a thick crust town. Deliver yeah. all over the nation now, right? We, we we just did a commercial for them. Uh, we're going to be releasing here in a few days. But they actually deliver all. They just delivered it to Dax in Arizona. Yeah, Gold Belly. Oh, Gold through Gold Belly. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. They sent me, yeah, they sent me three three pies. Uh, you know, it's. I wish I still lived there, but I live out here now. So the fact that they can ship across the country to me. And is it I deep dish, though? Anybody. Is it Chicago-style pizza, or is it? Yeah, well, it's, it's like a New Heaven pizza. That's where the idea came. It, it's been there for 22 years now. It's like the, It was like the number one uh, individually owned pizza and beer places in the country out of 37,000 at one point. Yeah. It's 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 real thin crust, uh, kind of like New Haven, Connecticut style. Have you ever heard of um, Sally's a pizza or Joe Pepe's or Frank Pepe's? I mean, real famous. I'm from Philly. We 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 we're very narrow minded. We're like, hey, it's just our pizza, our hoagies, hoagies. Right. I hope Rick, do you call them hoagies or subs? Did Philly sink in or hoagies? What? Yeah, hoagies, hoagies, of course. Subs. What the hell is that? Yeah. I used to work at the the one the only job I think I ever had. I worked at Artemis. In uh, in downtown Philly, what was Artemis? I, I don't know Artemis. It was on uh, uh, where it was Sansom Street, I think. Did you enjoy your time in Philly? Oh yeah, I had a great time there. It was uh, we recorded there. Sick Man of Europe recorded there, which is some of the same songs that uh, Cheap Trick. A few of the, those were the 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 growing up points, yeah. the starting points for some of the, the, some of the songs. It was Tom and Bunny and myself and uh, Stooky, who was the lead singer for the Nanas. What's I running? Well, Sick Man of Europe is it became a cheap trick song too, right? And and yeah, yeah. And so everybody knows it, it, the I, worst the worst song the worst uh, band name turned it into the one of the best <laughs> cheap trick songs. It was it, it did real well in England, but it didn't it didn't do so hot any other place. I might be completely wrong here, but isn't Sick Man of Europe the term they use for the Ottoman Empire? Like it, the uh, the empire was crumbling. Well, they called it Sick Man of Europe because it was uh, I think it was Italy. You know they. It was the sick man of Europe. It was like the 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 poor guy in Europe. And I don't know. Maybe you had the right answer. I don't have no idea. We just I'm so rarely right. We rehearsed for a whole we rehearsed for a whole year in Philadelphia and played two shows. <laughs> That's how good it was. Do you have a favorite? Do you have favorite venues? And this goes to you too. That's like in the states. Are there certain places where you always hear people? Oh, Red Rocks. Or is there certain places? Obviously, in Japan. You got a, a fondness there, but here in the states, is there f- some favorite places you like to play? Well, if, wherever where the room sounds good, that's that's what's important, you know, because we have to we, we have to like it. Uh, but Red Rocks is a good one, and you know, like uh, we we played a lot of shows in Philly. It, the Bijou was one way, way back in the day. Wow, uh, I saw I saw who did I saw um, Man for Man's Earth Band. I saw them there. No kidding. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a good place. I just love hearing you talk about Philly, my hometown. Yeah, well, we rec- we rec- recorded the same place that uh, Hall and Oates did, and we recorded uh, we recorded at uh, Sigma Sound there too. Famous Bowie, fa- Bowie did uh, yeah. fame there, right? Yeah. And, and, as the rumor you talked about uh, John Lennon, I, I believe this story yeah. might be true. Is Lennon came in, happened to show up the day he was recording Fame, and sat down with the guitar and that little. That's Lennon, right? Playing that little lick in Fame. That's what I heard. That's you the know, rumor. I worked with uh, I worked with John Lennon too on the Double Fantasy record. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I did. I did, I did two songs, "Losing You" and "Moving On." And that, I mean, later, uh, twenty years later, they released my version. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, look it up. That's heavy, man. Like, yeah, it was the day Dax was born. Actually, that's right. August twelfth, nineteen eighty. Yep. Yeah, it was the same day that I worked with John Lennon. Yeah, it was a few months. December eighth, I think he died. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's heavy, man. Wow, did so not know that you worked that. on that record. Yeah, look it up. I uh, oh, but Rock and Bike also. What did we be twenty five bucks a bottle? Uh, where are you at, Cali? Right, twenty five ninety nine, twenty six ninety nine. Um, that's where we like to be priced on the shelf. Um, so it's competitive. It's a it's a premium vodka, but it's priced very competitive. That's a great price. Yeah, and now uh, you can order it online too. Of certain states you can't go to, like speaking of controlled states like Pennsylvania, probably make it difficult for you, right? Yeah, you can go on our website, uh, rockinvodkas dot com with an S, rockinvodkas dot com, and uh, it'll it'll tell you which shit uh, which states we ship to. But while you guys were talking to about uh, John Lennon, it brought me back to this. This is a painting from Shannon McDonald. She is the world's greatest Beatles artist, donned by the mayor of Liverpool. And Rick is very, very good friends with Shannon. She did this artwork. You can see it's hanging up behind me. Um, and that's a painting. That's not a. That's not a photo. That's, that's a painting. painting. Yeah. And uh, she's been amazing for our brand. Uh, you know, there's so many cool things. I mean, we made the cover of Food and Beverage magazine. Four, uh, what is it? 14 million monthly readers to be in a leading uh, a food and beverage magazine. The cover. Uh, Who's that on the cover? Who's that guy? <laughs> really? <laughs> I that's love that sick. five neck guitar. That's. Uh, yeah, I don't. You don't like? Is it hard to play it? <laughs> I used to be two inches taller. Like <laughs> instead of wearing that thing around, it, it made me shrink a bit. Every everywhere in my body. I would think wear and tear would be more. Would you say drummer? That I mean, how the drumming would seem to be the thing that takes a lot more out of you. No, probably typically. But Rick was always running around and jumping around like crazy and jumping off amps and drum risers and you know throwing picks with all of his might. So I think (laughs) he'll he'll get a hall pass in this one. Is maybe the hardest working guy in the band. Yeah, you get that. Well, what a band and what a career. And I'm, you know. It's great to see, and it's also great to see you're doing a vodka because you're not getting yeah. a lot of uh, brands that are affiliated with celebrities tend to be living in the agave space these days. So it is very refreshing to see uh, doing vodka. I honestly, vodka is where I kind of gravitate towards spirits wise. I, uh, I just, and you're still alive after working with Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> I, he did almost murder me one. That's a true story. Well, for another time, I'll tell you. But let's, do, I, let's do, do this again. I almost got shot in the head by a hunter, and that's not a joke. Uh, it, which was um, that wouldn't that would I guess it would have been a glamorous way to go out. But I'm glad I made it through. So yeah, uh, yeah, we are too. Well, gentlemen, this has been a real pleasure, uh, and I thank you for for giving me the time. Everybody, go to rockinvodkas.com get more information cheap trick is always touring always touring and i hope to see you guys next time you're in california and uh what more is there to say legends all of you our investment opportunity you can actually join rock and vodka and our team and uh, you can invest in rock and vodka at uh, startengine.com just click on the rock and vodka um uh, obviously page on the start engine website and there's less than three weeks uh to invest it's a great opportunity uh, we're moving mountains right now in such a uh, little time. Um, we, we're, we got so many exciting things going on with the brand, like we mentioned already. Uh, if you want to be part of our team, uh, startengine.com. 
Look at that. Very rare on this show. Opportunities presented to own some. I might have to get on this vodka action. Why not? Why not? Right? <laughs> It'd be good. I'd be like, I'd like to be your friend, except I won't even try to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Spending time. And this is, it's been a real thrill for me. Uh, I, I was looking forward to doing this interview for the past few days because yeah, brought back, it's just brought back a lot of memories with the music's meant to me cool. and what vodka's meant to me too. It's been all <laughs> right. Yeah. So I uh, hope to have you back on again, Andy, Dax, Rick. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. That's going to do it for this episode of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. I want to thank Rick Nielsen, Dax Nielsen and Andy Rio for joining me on the show steve martin for dropping by the what we're drinking lounge and of course our bartender lloyd above all i want to thank you my friends you are the engine that drives this little choo-choo train invite you to follow me at the imbiber on instagram and twitter go to our youtube channel subscribe what we're drinking's youtube channel lots of cool content up there stuff you can't see well why would you see it anywhere else it's this show so go there do that uh, we got a few more episodes left before the end of the year. Probably going to take a break, a week or two off around Christmas and New Year's. But uh, we got a few more shows for you. And I promise you, we're going to kick some serious butts. All right, all. Love you. <laughs>